Welcome to the Evolving Spiritual Practice Podcast. My name is Ralph Cree. This is brought to you in association with bodyheartmindspirit.co.uk. This is the uh, part two of my conversation with uh, Trilby Fairfax about voice dialogue. Uh, we didn't have enough time in the first session, uh, first talk to do the topic justice, so we, we booked in a part two. Um, Trilby has been working with voice dialogue for over 40 years. Uh, she's facilitated probably many thousand, thousands of uh, uh, sessions for people. Um, and I've done uh, training with her, uh, which was amazing a few years back. Um, voice dialogue is a psychotherapeutic technique where you <clears throat> work with subpersonalities, which are called voices. And uh, the premise being that we are made up of uh, kind of blends of subpersonalities. And we have some personalities which uh, we're very familiar with and some that we aren't and some which through our childhood become dominant and others that uh, are not so in play. And we can learn to, um, through voice dialogue facilitation, to become more uh, free and uh, able to move around these different sub-personalities um, and respond to life uh, with a wider uh, palette of colours. Um, and this is sort of in contrast to the sort of the view of the self as a mono self like we're just one thing and uh, uh, I, I've found it a very very useful um, technique and also way of looking at what human beings are um, so hope you enjoy part two so Trilby Fairfax welcome back for part two um of Hiya. our conversation we didn't quite yeah. have enough time to do the topic no, justice no. last time um yeah. and uh, so yeah anyone listening um or watching i'd recommend you go and listen to part one because that sets up this conversation um <clears throat> and we'll be talking about things that we talked about you know referring back to things we, we talked about in part one so it'd be a good idea to listen to that one first um mm. <clears throat> so yeah i've introduced who you were and all of that stuff in in part one so we won't cover that ground again um i'm just so going to say i've been mm. i've been passionate about voice dialogue for uh oh more than 40 years i'd just like to say that that's a lovely way to come into the conversation yeah yeah i think yeah because in the, the our, in our last conversation you talked yeah. about how you got into the work yeah, but, yeah. um you didn't say quite when it was Oh, did I not? Oh, that was in um, 1987. Wow. Yeah. So it's about 45. I don't know. I don't even want to count, but that's quite a long time, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I was listening to 80s rap music on my Walkman back in those uh, days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a completely different yeah. time. And, and I, yeah. I, I love your story about how you got into uh, voice dialogue was yeah. it's an example of when someone even by accident you know like like a small event happens in your life 
and then suddenly yeah. that becomes your main interest for 40 years you know and, and it's you'd never realize at the moment it happens and it you know and it, it, it kind of it sort of encourages yeah. people to be open-minded to things that happen in their life like because you never know yeah. that it might lead into something huge yes and it's a strange thing because it felt it felt very light i i um i picked it up i thought oh that this looks good and then i rang and then i asked a friend to come with me and we went you know it wasn't like this is significant yeah yeah <laughs> and that's what you mean really isn't it yeah 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 so yeah sometimes people uh they 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 feel like they've got to look out for the significant thing like you say it's like it's got to feel very very vibrant or uh, you know ominous or something but it's not always the case you know there is that yeah. the, the the small things happen too and it's i think it's yeah. just about being open-minded is what i was, I was saying to yeah 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 and it's a real lesson ralph if you're promoting yeah. your work put the flyers out everywhere because it was a flyer i picked up <laughs> yes yeah yeah there we go yeah and and, yeah. and and i thought oh this is good i'll go to this you know and in that way it wasn't it's that smaller thing that suddenly turns out to be life-changing event yeah yeah no, i like yeah. it and so um one thing that i i like about voice dialogue is it's a kind of so children play around with their identity and yeah playing different roles different selves yes uh i yeah. i had loads of different styles of handwriting yes. um i tried different ways of speaking i tried different really? hairstyles um oh, yeah. yeah i i kind of like tried out all the yeah like lots of different ways of speaking and, and children are very fluid with their sense yeah. of self and then something happens where you know you you become an adult and you're supposed to adopt a, a mono self um and <clears throat> what i think voice dialogue mm -hmm. is a kind of it's, it's a continuation of that playfulness um with identity that that children have and um yes yeah. i would i would say some children not all i i remember um finding in my sort of ancient post keep you know the things i keep finding a postcard i wrote to my mother uh, when I was staying with my grandmother when I was about five when I could only just write and it was all about being a good girl it was mm. all about how I was being good and helping granny and I also found a letter she wrote to me when I was staying with the other grandparents and that was all about what I had to do to be a good girl and so this sense of being the pleasing good girl left me not so much space to play with my roles because I wasn't right. meant to be noisy and I wasn't meant to usurp my sister who was older and I was cleverer and more musical and more chatty and extrovert than her so I had to all the time remember to be good and not to be who I really was or that playfulness or experimenting I don't remember that at all it's interesting you're saying this because we did that later when we played outside and we became horses and we became wild but in that first part of my life um, I wasn't playing around very much. I was desperately trying to be accepted by and being I, this very, very good little girl. And in, in the first part of our conversation, you were describing that and how that became a primary self. 
uh, yes. within yourselves is a very, very strong one. Yes. Um, that, that you kind of work to soften up, I suppose, o- over time. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, we call it disidentify, but soften up. It means that the more you explore that and realize the reasons for becoming that good girl, that caring girl, the one who helped her sister, who was a year older, to cross the road in London when we moved there and it was really busy. It was me who helped her. I had to look after my sister. And she was a year older, okay? And um, softening that, which is a lovely way of putting it, the energy becomes softer and more flexible as we work with that, as we get to know that good little caring girl inside me, as I get to know, yeah, yeah. Um, Then suddenly the pain that led to me identifying with that part, led to me becoming that part, also becomes clear that if I were to be different, then I would have got frowned upon, disapproved of, maybe even sent to my room. So the pain of, of the fear of, of being something different, which might be more authentic. Mm. Once you get to know that and work through it, then you, you become freer. The identification softens. And then I can actually be that loud little girl or that loud big person or the one who talks a lot like I'm doing now or whatever, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, that, that brings me on to um, something which... I've done with you and I also have noticed that Helen Sidra Stone do this is working with opposites that yes it's 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 a very simple it's a quite a good rule of thumb if so to speak where you know if you so there are some uh voices you know when I've been facilitated in voice dialogue there are some voices I can slip into really really easily and there are other ones that that feel completely dead to me and I, I can't even access it and mm. uh, sometimes that might be the opposite of a voice I'm very familiar with and I think yeah. um yeah you know I, I I'm very much into um integrating harmony and uh you know balance and those th- those kind of modes of being yeah. Um, yeah. and that, so I think working with opposites is, is, is a very important to do. Um, so you so were, you were case, sort of describing that yeah. there. Yeah. But in your case, then it would be more like, um, disharmony or conflict or chaos or, or what would be the opposite to working with harmony? Oh, I see. <laughs> For you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, um, you know, disharmony, chaos, um, entropy. All of those kind of things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that for you is an unknown, it's a shadow area. Whether, yeah, yeah as, as I liked what you wrote about the dark shadow or the golden shadow. There's aspects of that are, that are also golden shadow. If you can be chaotic, that's where the chaos is the archetype that is the, the, the birth place of, of creativity because mm. you, you start to think laterally and you do things in a, in a completely unexpected chaotic way for the structure yeah. or harmony part it's 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 not harmonious and yet it might lead you to some amazing creative discovery mm. yeah. yeah um well that's yeah so that's in our last conversation uh i think i i was tending to emphasize the um the darker side of our disowned selves but there, there yes. is this you know and, and that's actually quite common um for people to emphasize that when people talk about shadow they tend to yeah. emphasize you know they're talking about the darkness the the kind of underworld side of us but then yeah. there is this yeah. correlate which is the golden shadow which is yeah. um 
you know, the classic example would be someone meets a guru and mm -hmm. they project all of their own goodies onto that guru and fall in love yeah. with the bits that they so want inside themselves, but they're, they're there, but they just haven't accessed yeah. them. And I, um, so, you know, that, that's, um, and that can happen. Some of these disowned selves, you know, when I was saying that, you know, you can, you can be in facilitation, you can end up in a, in a, uh, a voice that feel you, you can barely access it. Um, and that could be a very positive and golden or, you know, luminous side of yourself. Um, mm. and, uh, yeah. I mean, is there anything you want to unpack about that? Mm. I think that's, this is, um, this is applies to everybody that some things, some qualities that they may have deeply buried in themselves and haven't been able to access will become amazing, um, you know, contribute amazingly to their life experience if they're allowed to access them. Uh, something like taking risks, if you've been brought up very, very safely and not ever allowed to go out on your bicycle on your own and, 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 and disowning, taking risks from risk taking from a child place, that suddenly when you're an adult and you start to play the unsafe card, you play the risk card, and that could bring you to enormous adventures and also bring out, it might bring you up to, to rock climb, climbing and, and hanging, you know, in a crevice and doing these amazing, uh, amazingly dangerous things that you wouldn't otherwise have been able to do if you'd stuck to that where you were brought up. And that would, I would call that a golden shadow, shadow mm. going on adventures if, uh, or um, I suppose being an intellectual if you're brought up in a family where, uh, or being a classical musician in Pete's family, for instance, um, when a classical singing came on the radio, his uh, father used to say, turn that squawking off. Hmm. Class singing, because he didn't like the sort of, <laughs> that was squawking. Yeah. So uh, if your family said that about classical singing, and then you late, that later turns out that you're, you become an amazing opera singer, that's, you could call, call that a golden shadow uh, in yourself so that you actually were that amazing singer that your parents disapproved of they called it squawking uh, there's there's loads of examples of this of the, of the things basically the family system constellates a lot of archetypes that are accepted in that particular uh, family for instance again in, in my husband pete's family the work ethic was very very valued so in his way of being the work ethic is incredibly constellated that's slightly different in my family my father <laughs> was certainly on the lazy side because when i met my um, half brother later on he could hardly lift a finger to uh, replace a screw or a you know a door handle or something like that he would say vaguely i think i've got to get the landlord in because that door handle's a bit loose and pete was looking at him like you know there's two different family constellations um clashing there and all mm -hmm. that stuff you get in this family of origin that's a real um gift to you later in life but it does also have the rules that the other side this is what we're talking about the polarity there's something wrong with it mm. yeah so that sometimes for instance for, for my partner 
it can be good to think, well, that's broken now. And you know what? We're not going to mend it at the moment. Uh, maybe I'll do that uh, next week or maybe I'll ask Trilby to do it or maybe we won't mend it. I mean, that for him is it's completely unknown shadow area, but it could give him some relaxation. Yeah, oh, I can definitely relate to that. I see really, something it's, it's, it's got to be done now. Exactly. And, and by me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. Got to be done now and by me. There's a lot in there, isn't there? Yeah. There's that control. Must happen now. And also the sort of omnipotence of it. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot in that identification. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that. Um, so, you know, on this kind of golden shadow side of things, the. Yeah. The big mind process, which is, um, as, you know, how I got into voice, voice dialogue in the, in the, in the first place, mm. they, uh, with that, in that process, it being a Zen Buddhist, of, of Zen Buddhist origin, yeah. they explore uh, what you might call transpersonal voices. Um, yeah. And we've, we've talked a little bit, you and I've talked a little bit about archetypes uh, in yeah. part one. And archetypes are kind of, transpersonal and, and, and in a way you could say all of these selves are transpersonal because they all live inside all of us and you know there's a kind of commonality between all of us but I, I'm talking about a transpersonalness which is something slightly different like being God or being the goddess or being big mind in uh, Zen, which is the, you know, that kind of formless awareness or being Gaia. I mean, I don't know, some of these more, uh, you know, religious. So when, when I work with archetypes, goddess archetypes or God or goddess archetypes, it's more it's easier for me to think or to speak in terms of the God or goddess coming through in the person or in me and not being that. You become, right. you, I'm trying to, I'm sort of sitting here. This is the lovely thing about this conversation. Your questions lead me to realize things that are less conscious or more like assumptions. So if I'm working with somebody and she's going to a feisty part of herself, let me take a, 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 a sort of an example. In the personal, it's, we've got these circles. We've got the, the self in the middle and then we've got the personal circle around that. And then around that, there's more like the collective unconscious. We talked about that last time, the archetypal um, um, realm. And so I would be working with somebody, let's say she's called Marianne, and I'm working with Marianne, and she goes to a feisty part of herself, and she, she really accesses that strength and that anger, maybe, and that, you know, not, not taking no for an answer, not being pushed aside. I'm that part of her. We would call that the personal feisty part or the personal uh, inner strength, whatever you want to call it. And then at some point, when she accesses the, accesses the archetypal energy, I'll ask her to move back, that's usually behind, and she'll become or she'll let the energy of the warrior goddess or the warrior god, usually the goddess if it's a woman, but not always, come through and suddenly she'll become that. But it won't be a conscious decision. It will be something that as a facilitator, you notice this is happening. The transpersonal mm. is starting to come through. Yeah. And then and then you then you really get this sense of the collective nature of the archetypes and the 
transpersonal nature of an archetype. Quite often an archetype doesn't want to speak. It's just there and you can sense it. It might say something. Very often reluctant to get into conversation because the words detract. The words tend to bring us more back to the personal. And this is more than impersonal, it's transpersonal. Okay, so yeah. Um, do you feel it's related to in what we used to be called in old in you know the the old days uh spirit possession do you think there's any kind of you know like um in, 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 i'm thinking of in tibet they have oracles that or in in ancient greece they'd have oracles they go and see and um well actually, i'm not so, so sure about the the ancient greece but in tibet they go and see these oracles the oracles would sort of a, a, a spirit would come into them and then start speaking. I mean, I, I don't well, know I whether suppose, I'm shoehorning, yeah, shoehorning so. something in. Uh. No, you're not. Um, I just read, I'm reading an amazing book by Mac McCartney called The Children's Fire. And in that he describes a Celtic ritual, as I understand it from a couple of centuries back. I don't, I don't know where he accesses this information, but in this, I think I've got it right. In this um, tradition, I'm worrying now that I've got it confused with a different book, but it doesn't really matter because the point is in the tradition, um, when a child is chosen or singled out or seen to be a seer, to have that quality, then she's kept in a, a cave with soft light and very soft noise the first nine years of her life and cared for so that when she emerges into the world she sees the world as new and she hears the world as new and she becomes the one who has been kept and become this person who's so used to the lack of um, impressions that when she does it come out into nature and hear sounds and see things that she's just celebrating the glory of it all and she's the one who can see and hear in that way um and, and like in the uh, aborigine tradition those who have um this role have dreams at night and the dreams are then the dreams that on the basis of which decisions are taken so in many different cultures throughout the world but i particularly like this example because it was from the celtic tradition which is our tradition we're english mm. where you know um that this person who has an almost spiritual function in the community is brought up in this way so that they will have that access to spirit and the access to those different channels of information kept intact yeah like a, a you know specialist in that that area but yes, do, do you, so that's, you know, those kind of that sort of, I don't know, you might call it channeling or something, uh, you know, yeah. channeling. I would call it, I would call it yeah. channeling, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it seems to be quite a bit related to voice dialogue. Definitely. Voice dialogue, the difference being that you are not doing it on your own. Um, you're, you're, you're with a facilitator who's, yeah. helping yeah. you move around these different yeah. voices or sub-personalities yeah. um and uh yeah i don't know it's just it's not something i've looked into in, in great detail but i 
you know, there seems to be some kind of, if you could draw uh, a, 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 some kind of link through time, it, it may meander. I could say something bit. about it. Mm, I could say yeah. something about it more. Um, that what, when, when I or somebody else starts to do voice dialogue, very, very often we're in the more personal realm of working through some of the painful stuff that happens as you grow up. This is quite a big generalization, but I think you know where I'm coming from. So there'll be um, stuff around relationship with one of your parents or maybe losing a parent or a grandparent or sibling rivalry or whatever's actually went on in the family of origin or in the school or in the culture. So that stuff, this is not so, certainly not for everybody, but that tends to take precedence in the beginning. But as the soul, as that deeper part of you that uh, becomes freer from the traumatic pain that you may have experienced as a youngster, then the the wider circle of the more archetypal and the more what you're calling spirit energies uh, becomes more accessible. And this is a, a, an, an enormous generalization because some people can go straight in there and they've just started voice dialogue. And you think, what, where did they get that from? Um, they've, some people have always had that accessible for, uh, as a child. Others haven't. Um, others have been punished for it as a child. I had one client who could um, see her brother's, her little brother's pain, um, where, could see it as energy in his body and could take it away with her hands. But when she tried to do it because he was hurting, her mother slapped her and told her not to be silly. She was five and he was three. You know, that's an example of how uh, there are people who have enormous access to a completely different realm of energy and other people don't. And that, the more I was somebody who didn't have that particularly as a child at all. Um, but the more and more I've done voice dialogue and having been doing it for all these many years that we haven't counted now, but they're pretty, <laughs> quite a long time, um, I'm getting more access to that realm. And dreams, that's another lovely thing. Dreams are very much a way into that. So if you're working with a dream you've had and the dream is showing you something, you haven't got a clue what it is, but you start to work with it. We say in voice dialogue, everything in the dream is something that you can work with as a part of yourself. So if there's a really rackety old truck that's trying to drive you up and you're trying to drive it up a mountain or there's somebody else driving, it doesn't really matter, then you can work with the rackety old truck as a part of yourself and you go into it and sense it and feel it or you become the driver or you're um, the other person in the truck or you're the animal that suddenly runs out and gets hit by the truck. I'm making up a dream, this isn't a real one. Mm. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So all the aspects in a dream in the end, are these really rich sources of information for you to access something in yourself. And we're talking about shadow, golden shadow, darker shadow. It could be the bear that's pursuing you again and again in that recurring dream until you one day turn around and face it. Become the bear, become the one who wants to devour everything in sight or become the rackety old truck or whatever it may be. And then suddenly a new realm of experience is available to you. Yeah, and I think um, <clears throat> I like the voice dialogue way of working with a dream. It seems a bit more hands-on than the talk therapy version. You know, like uh, you know, I'm thinking of that kind of stereotypical image of uh, 
going to see your psychiatrist lying down on a couch and then telling your dream and you know they help you unpack it kind of thing but voice dialogue is a little bit like it's not quite on the level of drama therapy or like acting out the characters in your dreams but it's it's becoming them yeah there's a big difference between acting out and becoming right yeah that's that's really important could could you you unpack that a bit please okay Uh, (laughs) yeah um I've distracted myself because I was about to say something else, but I can't remember now. Let's see which one I'm going to go for. Um, Okay, let's put it on hold. I'd like to speak a bit about the middle position in ego strength and and when it's not appropriate to work with voice voice dialogue. But I'll put that one on hold and go to what I've just said. Um, Remind me. Yeah, I'm writing it down. <laughs> so yeah. we can we can remember. No, but remind me of what 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 we were just talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was um oh no, no, I've forgotten. Um oh yeah, so Oh, you were talking it, about the more fluid yeah. Yes, you've got drama therapy what might be acting oh, yeah. out your dreams, but voice dialogue, you know, that's on one end of the one extreme, and then the other extreme is you you're lying on your couch talking to your psych psychiatrist you know yeah. kind of talk therapy voice dialogue is some something different to both of those uh, yeah. and you were, you were saying there's a difference between acting out and uh... Uh, yeah and becoming so I'm, I'm a real advocate of in the beginning when you just start the work okay and you're going into um anger and um whatever it might be uh, sadness it might be um a creative part of yourself it might be something unknown to you to get to know that you might have to act it out you might want to act it out you might want to shout and scream you might want to um well do a lot of things and in the end when you've worked with these parts for long enough you come much more to what i find in the writings of perma Sherdren. she writes about experiencing distress or experiencing anger rather than acting it out and that's the energetic experience and the motive i've got to this stage that when i'm angry about something when i feel anger rising i feel this flame inside me it's this amazing (laughs) that's happening i feel no desire to go and break something or shout at somebody at all i feel a real strength in ah this is alive in me my fire is burning strong and then when I felt that fire for a while, then I get to that point where, what am I going to do with this? What, what would be the decision I want to take now? Which part of this do I want to show to another person? And that is the most wonderful freedom. Because this, this thing about emotions is that um, they are our life force. So that for me, the tears are the river of the soul and the, the, the anger is the fire of the soul. And yet, if I lose myself in acting them out, in the end, um, I may lose contact with them because I make myself vulnerable to other people. And so in a voice dialogue session, time and time again, getting to know that anger, getting to know that sadness, getting to know the, the rebellious part or the um, curious part who goes out into the world and 
finds out about things. Getting to know those parts mean that you become those energies very gradually. They become parts of you that are so familiar and so, yeah, it's like uh, going back to that mountain with all the caves or a house with all these rooms. Oh yeah, I've been in this house such a long time. I know that room. Ah, oh, mm -hmm. there's that fire again. It's, 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 it's a beautiful experience. Yeah, so that, <clears throat> one of the things I was sort of talking about in the first part of our conversation is that people might worry about acting out different voices. You know, if you were to explore some, some different voices, someone might say, well, you know, how would I be able to explore, uh, let's stick with rage, uh, with, with anger or something without suddenly yeah. becoming really angry? Um, yeah. And a, but what you're saying is that uh, the, the facilitation process directs you more towards becoming familiar, gradually making friends, getting to know these sides of yourself over time. Um, yeah. So you're kind of going in the shallow end and just working with it, you know, in, in a kind of sensible pace. Uh, whereas <clears throat> I'm thinking about <clears throat> some of those types of therapy that were very popular in the 70s with <clears throat> you know that kind of acting out your anger and uh and uh, I yeah think, i did that first yeah Talk counseling you mean hitting cushions and stuff there we go that's it yeah. yeah 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 that was great as well but i think maybe part of my process was that i did that for a few years and so that some of the anger had got out there so i don't want to judge i think the first if you're getting to getting to know these things for the first time you need to be able to rage and shout and, and 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 bang things or whatever that's that's fantastic i'm not against that but in the end when i'm working with voice dialogue with an angry part with somebody's getting to know their anger for the first time and the warrior will come the warrior might be incredibly enraged and be acting that out in the session but the idea is to get to know that energy to such an extent that in actually in, in your personal life you can take a stand and be that strength in yourself without having to throw stuff uh, at people or, or shriek and shout and, and frighten them. Because yeah. that's the whole point. The point is your, your anger is your strength. It's that fire. And if you've been divorced from it as a child, if you weren't allowed to be it, then you need to get to know it again. And then as an adult, you'll be somebody that somehow people don't mess with because they know you've got that strength, but they're not, but you're not shouting at them. Mm. Yeah. And that's where we, we we want to be. All of us have that respect for ourselves and for other people and know that there's that, that fire is there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit like um, when, when you meet someone who genuinely is a strong person, they mm. don't tend to show it off. It, like uh, if, you, if you meet someone who does mixed martial arts or something, yeah. Um, yeah. they're often very gentle, civil people yeah but they just exude that you you know that they could kick your butt you know yeah with, with yeah, hardly absolutely. any effort <clears throat> but they're, they're yeah. not kind of showing it off and i think when people yeah it's uh not always the strongest people that that, that are, are showing that the force you know it's um it's often yeah. it's often a vulnerable person who uh they're a bit like a bully at school um yeah. is quite often someone who's yeah. who's actually scared and vulnerable and they're having to overtly show acts yes, of, of exactly. strength uh and yeah. the the kids who are 
very sure of themselves and and actually also yeah. strong people whether physically emotionally psychologically or whatever they don't tend to feel the need to to show it off and it's that's yeah. sort of the difference between between owning something knowing you have it yeah versus yeah. kind of having a a bit of a a disconnected relationship with that side of yourself I suppose might be yeah that's a good way of putting it mm. yeah again I'm thinking of my partner I used to he, he taught a lot in in secondary school and in primary school and a couple of times you know for for, for a, a, a year or two I was with him in the class because we were doing songwriting with children together it was lovely and there was something about his way of being that he never had any problems with discipline with the children. He never had to raise his voice and he let them be pretty chaotic in a way that I was thinking, hang on, are you still in control of the situation? But I was sitting there because he was leading the class and then suddenly things would be quiet and they'd all be listening. Hmm. Well, you, you, it, it, it's something in the way he looks. I think if he looked at a child, it would be enough for them to know no messing here. Yeah, no, I, 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 I spent enough time around Pete to, to have picked yeah. up on that. Yeah, he yeah, just exactly. exudes a strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, he knows that strength very well, having been on the streets in Amsterdam and, and, and you know, he's done the acting out as a child and now he knows he's got that strength and he can um, make sure that things go his way if he needs to. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing I wanted yeah. to, to, to raise was... The uh, multiple personality disorder. Yeah, I so, was thinking of that one as well. <clears throat> so, so someone might be, uh, and I haven't forgotten the thing you want to come back to, the middle position. Um, well, it's the same thing. It's ah, exactly okay. that. Yeah. Because, so, uh, you know, just to sort of tee this up, someone might think, well, multiple, per person multiple personality disorder is a real thing. It's an actual disorder. Um, but it, yeah. I mean, it's also very, very interesting. S people with some people with multiple personality disorder can have a person, a, a sub personality that needs to wear eyeglasses and one that doesn't. Uh, they can you can have extraordinary. A, I didn't a, know that. A, yeah, person you can have sub personalities that are aller uh, allergic to strawberries, and ones that are no. not. <clears throat> you know so it's 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 extremely interesting i mean there's there's this yeah. book called the future of the body by michael murphy which has got a load of oh. stuff on on that which yeah. uh, i recommend Samples, yeah. people look but look at um so you know how would you distinguish the, the kind of healthy beneficial work voice dialogue work and multiple personality disorder uh, as an actual disorder and life deranging condition? Mm. Well, the first thing to say in general is that in voice dialogue, we're careful about working with people with personality disorders in general. And the, the, one of the, the parameters of voice dialogue is that you can work with people to a certain extent, but if they do have, if somebody has a personality disorder, I might be to um god i can't remember the english word uh, pass that person on that you you what's the word when you uh, refer refer thank you refer that person on to um 
to somebody who's more skilled or more in, in that particular area. I've got an example that, that counters that, which I could tell in a minute, which is quite interesting. In the case of MPS, um, we, one of the, the things that we learned in our training was you can only do voice dialogue with um, somebody if they've got a certain degree of ego strength. Well, what is ego strength? The ego position in voice dialogue is one of those three states of awareness I, I think I described last time, um, is the middle position. And ego strength is that you get a sense that somebody has got enough um, strength in themselves as a person. So um, I've only once had the experience that I met somebody, it was in France when I was with um, my colleague assisting him in France and, and we were giving people their first session and there was somebody who'd come to the training course and I gave him his first session. And this guy was um, very spiritually oriented. And I sat opposite him and I couldn't actually make contact with him. His eyes, it was as if, um, he was possessed by this spiritual energy. But actually it was quite frightening and, and a bit, it felt a bit aggressive as well. So in his perception, he was totally one with being. And um, he wanted just to be that one with being. And I, I, was, I had been trained not to let somebody move into a part unless I had the sense of connection in the middle position. So I stayed the whole session with him in the, him in the middle position when he became being in the middle position. But I didn't have the, um, I wouldn't ever have moved, asked him to move into a different part because I didn't have a sense that he was in touch with a sort of down to earth daily life. I can't remember his name. Let's say he was called André. Uh, the the, the down-to-earth daily life André uh, who could just tell me uh, about sort of ordinary things like what car he'd got or where he lived or didn't seem to be present and it's yeah. it's a it's quite a difficult thing to define as people are listening to me saying well what is ego strength I think it's that sense of there's a middle position there's somebody there that's somebody who could be aware of well I don't get angry very often uh, or I don't um like painting or the, the one in you that you feel this is myself I would call it your Ralphness or my trilbiness it's just me yeah. and if that's not there you can't do voice dialogue and as I understand but I mean I'm no expert I've, I've read uh, different things about MPS but I'm no expert but as I understand it um, very often when the person becomes one of the personalities, uh, they later don't remember that they were that. That's one mm. of the... Yeah. Yeah, that's their, se their secret. It can be in terms of uh, Freudian... Yeah, in terms of Freudian def defence mechanisms, um, splitting, it can be completely split off, that multiple... So if, if somebody's got three or eight or 13 personalities, very often, as they are in one, they are not aware that they have those other ones or who they are. They're just that one. So it's completely split. And that means it's split off from the, the middle position. So there's no aware ego position. There's no, there's no strong self in the middle who has the memory of those different, it's, it's a complete split. Yeah. 
and that 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 is completely different to voice dialogue and that is a personality disorder and there is some interesting work being done with voice dialogue with people who who hear voices but of course that's a different syndrome that's more what used to be called schizophrenia um, i'm not sure whether it still is and the hearing voices and working with those with voice dialogue if if the person is considered to have enough what we call ego strength so enough middle position if that person instead of splitting off into one of the parts and then not knowing they're in it and not even knowing that they've got another part if that person can be in the middle and tell you about the different voices they're hearing and um, what they're telling them to do then you can with voice dialogue access um, ask them to maybe not move into but lean into that voice and find out what that voice is coming why what's happening for that particular voice that's coming and telling them to do these things and there's been some very successful work done it started in Nijmegen in Holland and there's now a whole um, group of people working with voices with voice dialogue and that's really exciting work do you do you I mean, think working work with people who hear voices yes yeah do, do you think that the the voice rather than uh being felt as being outside of the person uh, yep, and was, just gradually feels like it becomes integrated back into their self system. Exactly. I was going to say, I was just about to say, I realised I hadn't said that. So as you do the work with voice dialogue with something that has seemed like a separate voice, it will gradually reintegrate into the self. Mm. But there's got to be enough self in the middle for that to happen. Sure. And that's what makes it different to MPS. But anyone with more experience of personality disorders who's listening to me will, will be aware that I, I i have less information than if i were a trained psychiatrist which i'm not yeah but we're very very careful with personality disorders of any type when we're working with voice dialogue yeah i think it's it, it applies across the board of therapeutic techniques whether it's psychedelics and meditation yeah. voice dialogue there, there are some yeah. psychological conditions people have that need addressing yeah before doing those kind of things because it can make it yeah. far worse and I, <clears throat> I think this thing about not remembering a uh you know a voice that you've gone into or, or a subpersonality that kind of ties a little bit back to the tibetan oracle example of this sort of okay. spirit possession that they oh, would I have, see. That's the possession. Yeah. They, they, they'd have um a scribe an assistant who would actually write down the stuff that they say yeah. Uh, because they kind of they're basically in a trance. Yeah. So whether they, when they come out of the trance, they may not quite remember what they you know has gone on, and and that's why the assistant is there to sort of help do yeah. that. So that that is yeah. you know something that is slightly different. Um, slightly different again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing or it's uh, that yes is some of the. Um, so I, I, one thing I, I don't think you and I are saying, uh, just in case someone listening to this was uh, thinking this, that you have to become proficient in every single, the whole palette of different voices you could imagine. Uh, you know, that, that would be sort of way too shallow, you know, digging loads and loads and loads of very, very shallow holes, you know, rather than going deep in any one of these. And I, 
Well, yeah, no, but there's, well, there's something before that. You or I, as we allow our process to unfold, can't even begin to decide which voices are going to reveal themselves. I mean, I might come to you as my voice dialogue facilitator and say, look, I've got a problem with assertiveness. That's not very true, actually, but never mind. I'm making up this example. <laughs> I've got a problem with assertiveness. Um, um, can you can you help me find more connection with my stronger or more assertive parts? And you might we might work together on that. But um, neither you as a facilitator or I as the client in this case will know beforehand what's going to happen. Yeah. Because what we do is we open the possibility for that which is already present to start to reveal itself, and as it starts to reveal itself. Um, and becomes more known to you then it will change as well like a real person the first time I met one of my protectors was in a session with Yurin right back in the beginning Yurin was this lovely psychologist who um, gave me a lot of sessions and she was quite an elderly lady and this protector was asleep on the couch behind her so she was facilitating me like you and I are opposite to each other. And she said, well, could you move to that protector? And I said, well, it's rather embarrassing, but he's right behind you. He's asleep over there. He said, go on. So I went and lay down on, on some sort of couch behind her. I'll never forget it. And she was sort of turning her head around to facilitate. And this guy was starting to wake up and he said, oh, thank goodness she's letting me in. I've just been asleep. It's been so boring. It was really funny, but I didn't know that was going to happen. Mm. And this is, I mean, this this is um, the thing that happens if people come with an agenda, something completely different might happen. Or they might find, to go back to my own example about assertiveness, you might find suddenly, oh, yeah, that's really working because I'm finding my inner warrior and it's really working so I can be more assertive in daily life. That could work out. But it could be that something completely different starts to reveal itself. And this is because what we do, as we journey with voice dialogue, we start to listen to a whole lot of stuff in ourselves that is part of our journey, but we've never been able to access it. And who is deciding what our journey is? Mm. Now we're getting into a lovely area. It's an it's, it's an alchemy. You and I are ourselves on Earth, and there's a sort of alchemy to our being. And um, I tend to just listen in and find out a lot about what the next step's going to be, as 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 I've worked through more of the personal stuff. And yet that personal stuff. That was there right from the beginning in my case being abandoned by my father would always come through and i'll know it but on the different level it will be oh yeah there's that trigger again and yet what comes when i listen to that trigger will be new i won't be expecting it i won't know what it's going to be and if mm. i wait and that unfolds then then all those you're talking about the shallow graves lots lots and lots of things will reveal themselves in their own times Time, but it's not me coming to you as a facilitator and saying, look, I want to go into every single possible sub-personality of mine, and I think there are about 30. That's not the way it works <laughs> at yeah. all. No, you don't know that. Yeah, and that's, you know, in, in the kind of, like, wellness industry, you know, people yeah. like to kind of come and say, right, I need to work on my whatever, and I, 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 I want to... Um, I want to be really compassionate, really rich, um, 
you know, assertive, healthy, you know, you, they just put all of the kind of things that, that people think of as positive qualities and say, well, like, well, I want to, yeah. I want to work on I want to be all of these things and, and, yeah. and then shoehorn their practice or whatever they're trying to do therapeutic technique into that. And, and what you're talking about is something much more organic rather than that. It's sort of saying, well, what, what's here, what's here, what's emerging um and, and I think in a way that's a bit like working with the grain of the wood, you know, of the Absolutely, person. Yeah. Um yeah. and I love that. That's a lovely metaphor. Yeah. yeah. And um it's gonna be more success uh, if you're working with the natural with the natural emergence, you're probably likely mm. to have more success because it's more authentic anyway, you know. Um yeah. Yeah, it's 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 even further than that. It's even it goes much further than that even. Mm. It's about a total letting go of control. Yeah. And empowering yourself to have freedom of choice at the same time. How about that? And yeah. that is not contradictory. Yes, that's a nice nice paradox. Well, I think, you know, it's 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 um it's a bit it's you know, it's it's almost clichéd uh really that that the deeper you go into anything suddenly it becomes paradoxical and you yeah. just have to um suck yeah. that up and yes <laughs> well this it. whole thing that I'm, I'm going through in my own life at the moment uh, with a partner with with cancer and our whole family over in holland which is my life situation at the moment this is a part of my journey i've never experienced this well, what is going to happen i don't know so the more i let go of control start to listen in to what I'm experiencing whatever grief or uncertainty or whatever it is that's going on for me then my soul can find its own strength when I listen and receive what is what is shown to me whereas if I have an agenda you know people say to you you've got to be strong when your husband well of course I'm strong and he's strong, he's great, he's doing really fantastically. And we're strong in our own way because we're both of us able to cry and be with grief when it's too difficult. So that's a part of being strong. It's rather like that lady who I can't remember who made a great sensation about 10 years, the, uh, what's it? the power of vulnerability, I can't remember her name. It's a fantastic, mm. um, she did a TED talk on the power of vulnerability. Yeah. And that I'm, I'm a real, I'm a real advocate that the more you can be vulnerable when you do feel uncertain or sad or uh, discombobulated the mm. more you can allow that to be there the more the, the the strength behind it and in it and under it can unfold so in this uncertainty of our path together now there's a whole lot of new newness i'm experiencing a lot of new things that i've never experienced before in my life and if i were to know want to know beforehand where this was going, I, I wouldn't get to experience all these things. Yeah. Yeah, life 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 circumstances yeah. bring out uh different voices at, at different times. Um and yeah. I um one of the Yeah, yeah, and well, hang on, sorry. Mm. And a deepening or transforming of voices that are already known to me. Yes, yeah. Which is that that is actually the most amazing thing. 
that you can start in, you know, parts of yourself pretty well because you've done the work for a while. And suddenly that part you've known in that way will start to tr transform or deepen and, and, and you can be acting differently because you've got that life situation happening. Yeah, you'll never get to fully understand a voice or fully, you know, it's no, there's no, just it's never no. ending nuance. And, uh, well, it's like a real person. A real mm, yeah. if, if if you imagine you and I and we meet again, we met, uh, what was it, six or eight years back? Mm, and now like you're that. Ralph now, and then maybe in 10 years time, you're Ralph who's 10 years older. If mm. we meet at those different points in our lives, you'll be different, I'll be different, just simply because of what we've been through. Yeah. Uh, and that happens to the parts inside you as well. The, one of the things voice dialogue has really helped me with is, um, Um, when I think about dying, um, mm -hmm. part of me feels like, like the, the, uh, how how am I going to be able to do that? And the answer that I get back, having done voice dialogue, is that the the me, there's a me that can do dying, and that me will come online when I'm dying. <laughs> You, you, know, you can like, Google it. You just Google my me. <laughs> come on, lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Please come on, lie. Oh, no, the connection is broken. No. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bad Wi Fi signal. But do, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't have to worry now so much about that because the, 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 the circumstances of my dying will reveal aspects of myself or different voices yeah. that i that don't need to be online or, or accessible through the whole of your life because you know you're not dying all the time you know it's uh, that's absolutely it i wouldn't say it's one me i would say that it's a um and what we call it an aware ego process so the middle position is actually a, an ongoing process of what happens when you become more and more aware of and have new experiences which bring new awareness and new deepening and that you will be a different Ralph when you start to face dying than you are now because of all the things that have happened to you and then if you were to have that experience rather like um, my partner's going through that you know beforehand something about dying then that would really affect lots of different parts of you i wouldn't say but you may be right you may you know we may speak to each other in <laughs> in, in in the uh, hereafter whatever you call it in english and you say oh yeah i was i was a different me who died i wouldn't say that i would say that you would become from the different parts of you who are changing and adjusting to the new situation you would have a, a different aware ego process going on in you which would be which would be enabling you to become a Ralph who can approach dying in a way that feels congruent for you. Yeah. Including the grief and the, the, the rage or whatever it might be about, you know, I don't want to die, that's going to be part of it. But, but holding that, it's going to hone you, it's going to shape you, it's going to craft you, going with the grain of your wood as you, mm. that lovely metaphor you used just now. I wouldn't I, say it would be one me, one, no, one voice. Yeah, or yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, always a collection of, yeah. 
um, a blend. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's it's given me faith um, in in my, you know the, the the my the blend of my who I am. You know, uh, respond reacting responding to different life circumstances um, because yeah. I'm not this fixed mono self. I, I, I feel like I'm a, a self that can adapt yeah. Um, yeah. to changing life circumstances. And um, yeah, I, there's this thing I keep thinking about. Uh, I haven't actually watched the film, but it, it's, uh, I, can't, I can't even remember what it's called now, but this guy falls down a, a canyon and gets his arm trapped and mm. he's basically going to die there. But he saws his own arm off with a penknife um, and escapes and lives. And I remember oh, yeah, that's, his arm gets trapped in a crevice. Th- and yeah. so the, it's the only choice he's got. Yeah. Blind, and I, yeah. And I, I remember thinking, oh, man, could I do that? And I was like, well, if, if I was in that situation, I think I would be able to do that. But, you know, I don't have to do that right now. So it does feel very alien. <laughs> <clears throat> That's, yeah. that's quite a good example. It's, a, it's quite an extreme example, but yes, <laughs> what, what are we capable of? In, in So mm. you're drawing on unknown parts of yourself in a way, the part mm. that could overcome that fear of pain. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. Um, what an amazing example. Yeah, I, I, I do tend towards the extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you, when other people... Uh, you, when you look at other people, you notice the different qualities that they have. Some of them are like, yeah, okay, you know, I, I can feel that. I'm familiar with that. Other qualities they bring, you might feel like, oh, that feels really unfamiliar. Or I want, I want more of what that person has. Or I want, yeah. or oh, I can't yeah. bear. I, I don't want any of yeah. what that person's bringing. Can you, you know, once you, you know, uh, once people become familiar with voice dialogue, can they, and they're not obviously always living their lives in a facilitated session. Uh, yeah. You know, you're, you're out and about, you're meeting people, you feel these kind of warm and cold and dark patches yeah. over different pe- aspects yeah. of people's personalities. You know, can, can one start to use other people I mean, yeah, I use other people in a very, very light sense. I don't mean you're mm-hmm. using people you're not, as a tool. You're using other people all the time, Ralph. We all are. Yeah. So yeah. If, you, if you go out into a, um, a, a pub and somebody's making a loud noise and you start to get really, really irritated, it's immediately kicking into your own self-system around um, probably that I'm, I'm, I'm just making, I'm not saying this is necessarily who you are, but I'm using yeah. you as a as a screen to project on that. That you would be somebody who yourself wouldn't shriek and scream in a pub loudly so that it would uh, disturb other people, for instance, yeah. or except at the end of the evening when everyone's doing it anyway. But I mean, you know, in a family pub where people are sitting at a table, there's a certain decorum about behaviour. And if we get incredibly irritated, it has to do with also a part of ourselves who's not allowed to do that. That's when we get judgmental. So the, the, the judgments about other people, whether it's a positive judgment, like projecting onto 
somebody that you this is something you'd really oh you'd so like to be like them or the negative judgment that you think oh, i'm never going to do things that way i really dislike that that says a lot about your own um disowned parts in your own system yeah so you can you can learn a lot about yourself about how you react to the different traits that other yeah. people exhibit yeah the projections show you uh they bring you to your vulnerability very often around something in yourself that you haven't been able to access. Hmm. Um, yeah. It's one of the most important cornerstones of the cornerstones of the stones work is how judgments are in, uh, are an integral part of voice dialogue and how that works. Hmm. Um, and it's the last thing I wanted to raise was um, I'd always been a bit, I'd never really enjoyed group sharing sessions, uh, you, you know, where you sort of, you've got a, you've got a, a group of people, everybody's sharing how they're feeling. And um, sometimes it can get very indulgent and you're sort of sitting there while someone spends half an hour, you know, talking about things. And, and then it goes on the next person before you know it three hours have gone by and you know three hours oh, oh, really? well, no 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 whatever i'm just i'm just i'm making up, up a hypothetical scenario really but then have, when, you, ever, when, have you ever experienced the sharing of three hours no 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 so i, I was saying i yeah. uh, i'd been a bit wary of it and and not really enjoyed it before but then when i came to do the uh the work with you and these residential mm. weekends so there's about 20 people and I think a couple of times a day we would come together or at least one time a day in the morning we would come yeah, in the morning we, we would do that in the morning. yeah we would do a very in-depth sharing and for the first time ever i got how powerful and important that was and and how mysterious too uh so yeah it, it, you i kind of for the first time ever actually appreciated what an amazing thing that is and um it, you know it's a very very special container uh that you create it's very very safe everybody most people there know each other very well you know over many years um and people opening up with with very very vulnerable things but when you see people do that you suddenly you realize that we're all so uh connected and, and and so similar in our pain and hopes mm. and fears and all of that stuff and you think when you actually you're in a room with people they 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 pull back the veil yes and you suddenly you go what you feel really i've never felt well I, I, there's a bit of an exaggeration I, I i felt very very connected with the people there um mm. because of that process and and I was also moved to share things that really surprised me that I hadn't really shared with people before. And I and it came out, I, you know, I, I kind of in a, you know did, felt oh I haven't really got anything to to share. But then people start talking, and before I know it, I'm just something just comes up, whooshes up from within me, and yeah. just comes out, and it's like whoa, yeah, that's, it? It, yeah, and. It was it was very very um, it was an amazing experience for me to to do that and and totally 
changed my view of of, of what group sharing can be like because i i think i've never done it in such a well uh, facilitated or whatever session uh you know it's it's not i mean it's it's very organic it's not like you're there you know facilitating it per se but it's um yeah. We're holding it. We're, we're, yeah. we're making very sure that it's protect, a protected and safe space mm. for the person who's sharing. And there are very, very clear parameters as to, um, yeah, if people want to respond to a sharing, it's got to be in an I, it's not about you. There's, there's a lot of parameters. And as, as somebody shares, we ask the other people in the room to be quiet and respectful and not suddenly go on their phones or get up during a sharing and go out the door none of that stuff is allowed because the point is that this is somebody opening up and saying something that they might as you say something comes up suddenly inside and very often people know it's their time to share when their heart starts to beat faster mm. yeah um, that something manifests and again it's not always within your control you might decide before you go to the weekend look i've been having a really hard time around this issue with my younger sister i hope i'm going to be able to work on that in the weekend and that might come that might come into being that might really be your soul's purpose that might be what's going to happen but it might be something completely different that suddenly emerges in the sharing that you weren't planning to share but that somehow your whole being is leading you to be speaking about something yeah, you weren't I, planning to be speaking about and that's what you're describing suddenly i was i was sharing stuff that and i wasn't planning to do this it just happened it came yeah. up in me yeah yeah i i had it very much the same experience what you were saying that i knew that we'd have these sharing sessions scheduled and beforehand i was thinking oh you know is there anything i want to bring up you know well, we could bring up that could bring up that you know sort of go mm -hmm. in to the session but then a, a, all of the things I thought I might bring up, they all felt dead or something. You know, they, they had no, they had no loose or life to them. And then something else came up, you know, from from, yeah. from out of nowhere. And it was very, very, um, yeah, I don't know. And and I I think I understood, all, you know, was for the first time what people can do for each other in a group like yeah, that yeah um and it wasn't as if you know, and, and as you say it's not that people were no one gives advice you know or, or you do you could do this or you were there the only response is that someone as you say someone can talk in the first person you know like I, um and i i blah blah, blah. but you know, a lot of that wasn't going on. It was more the sort of a person share something um, with the group. We would and... respond. Do you remember? We will respond sometimes. Mm. Yeah, but but uh, in a less is in a in a less is more approach. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so there have been occasions that people come to our sharings, and that when I or Pete say something, somebody got indignant like this is a sharing how come you guys are saying something so there, what i'm trying to say there is a sharing model which is only sharing and that's it and what pete and i 
might do not in every case just sometimes we just say uh, one of us would say oh thank you for sharing that and might say something about what it's bringing up for me or might say there's one direction that this could take you in can i can i say something about that and the person can say yes or no and then what comes to one of us as an inspiration possibly to continue on from that sharing and i think people appreciate that but not always sometimes people really love to hear something from us and sometimes they don't yeah and, and less is more i love that less is more but i, I really like the, the way you do it because it, as you say it's not you don't have like a strict protocol that you never deviate from uh, no. you know you 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 have you have rules but your what pe what i felt in these sessions with these sort of 20 people all sharing that um yeah you kind of get this group mind or something or group hearts and yeah. things come in the yeah. moment things happen and you can actually respond to those things as they come up in the moment and yeah. in, in, a, in a sensitive way and it's I've, yeah. I've i've been in other situations where they have very strict protocol and you never deviate from it and if anybody mm. does then there's a, you know they never get invited back <laughs> you know? oh well yeah yeah, yeah. no, no we, we, we we do allow mistakes um yeah. but i think it's probably not very uh, visible is what the what how strong the container is that we create mm, oh yeah you and can feel one, you can feel it and but that is very much based on um a number of no's in, mm. in 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 the space that actually are they're named gently but it's not i'm i but i'm i'm that's using this flame in me that i yeah. describe the structure is like this and if somebody goes over that line they'll notice me yeah yes there was one occasion i don't know if you were present it was quite an interesting occasion and i was doing uh, somebody had just shared and occasionally one of us continues a bit with that person so i was it was a sort of tiny mini session during the uh, sharing with somebody and as this was happening somebody got up very discreetly to go out to the toilet or one person that's okay but then a second person got up and then a third person got up and it got too noisy and distracting so that, that a, 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 a strong rule of the protocol which is there had been broken hmm. so i said to the person can you just hold on a minute and i stayed energetically in contact. i said i'm not having this i want you all to sit down now and then I finished the work with this person. And then after that, I said, pee break. And then mm. when some people came back, there were a few people who were absolutely furious with me because I'd been so directive and authoritarian. Well, it, and, it, it became, and it was very interesting because what happened was, you know, there was a, a going backwards and forwards. And I was saying, well, I'm, I'm holding the space. I'm leading the space. I was with her and she, What's happening with her, that takes priority over anything. And if you didn't slip out on time to go for pee, then you'd need to either put your finger up and look at me and I could nod or something, but do not underestimate what is happening at that point. And then it, some people were challenging me on that. Look, this is free, this is a free space. It's only happened once. And then I, what, I turned to the person and I said, well, give us your feedback. And she said, 
I had to give up on the group altogether. I was just holding on to your eyes because I couldn't trust them anymore. So she gave back to the group that what they'd done meant that she had to give up on them, that she could only trust me. Mm. It was amazing. And then the group, then some people started to calm down. It was because I'd been really like, I'd it, been actually, I'd, I'd, I'd shown a bit of my flame to them. Sit down now, you know, like yeah. that. I'd been really quite bossy, which I don't like to do, but it was necessary. It, it's you like see, um, those, the group sharing sessions are a little bit like a kind of fractal of a one-on-one -on -one voice dialogue session that yes, exactly. we're all becoming sub-personalities. And then yes. you know, your, your, your protector comes out in that moment it's just yeah, that, you know, I'm leading in that. the yeah. rules yeah. you know the rules that there, there's a fuzzy boundary here but it's that's been crossed just going to flash my flame yeah. at you and sit yeah yeah uh, I've never uh, done that before or since but it was quite it was really interesting because what happened what became clear that a lot of people in the sharing weren't aware of how structured it actually is yeah yeah no, in terms of what is a yes and what is a no you know yeah. And um, yeah, it was so it was so lovely that when I asked the person herself, she said, yeah, no, well, I gave up on the group. Because mm. <laughs> what you said so beautifully about five or 10 minutes ago was that actually it becomes this enormous group space, a group energy. And that's what makes things happen. Like you say, I'm sitting there and suddenly this thing's coming up and I want to share it. It's part of the group energy. The group energy is much bigger than any of us. And it just needs to be monitored and kept safe. And then it will start to happen. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and uh uh, you have too many people going to the loo is like putting a hole in the bubble and letting the air out of it. <laughs> you know? A bit, yeah. What well, it's very, it's really interesting because it is fluid. Because this one person slipped out really discreetly. That's okay. A second mm. one, I thought, oh, but the third and the fourth were starting to make noise, and it became, you know, it became a whole group thing happening. Door yeah. open, door closed, door open. You know, it's just not, it's just not on. It can't, you can't. Yeah. It's a bubble, exactly. It's rather like that awful thing about the plastic boat recently. You know, when the air goes out, then it sinks, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, Trilby, uh, you've been enormously generous with your time. And uh, it, it's mm -hmm. been uh, wonderful to connect with you again, because it's been, you know, a couple of years since I've seen you. And um, uh, yeah. thanks so much for sharing your over 40 years of wisdom through you yeah, know, doing, yeah. doing thousands and thousands of hours of this stuff uh, with so many people. Um, and uh, it, it's, it really, it, it changed my view of myself and other people. Oh, that's so good to hear. Yeah, uh, when I encountered the work and, uh, it, oh, that's uh, and great. I, yeah, yeah, I'm so grateful. Oh, that's so lovely. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And um, so we, we've said it before, but just where people can find your work or anything you care about. Ah, oh, um, well, there's so many people doing voice dialogue. Our uh, website is Transforming Dialogue. That's the, that's what, uh, where you can find us, Transforming Dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And, uh, and I have lots of lovely colleagues and people who've been on staff with us. You know, there's there's a quite a group of people who can facilitate. Yeah, there's so actually, 
yeah. students and are now apprentices and uh, have been apprentices and are on staff and now they're working in their own right. So there's loads of facilitators sort of gathered around the Blagden uh, cluster. Yeah, so if someone wanted to find a voice dialogue facilitator in yeah. their area, like how would they go about that? Well, if they get in touch with us, yeah, um, we could let them know. I mean, when I say loads, there's you know there's enough people doing voice dialogue sessions at the moment that there would be in their area. I don't know. We're very much southwest England based, aren't we? So, so yeah. I'm not sure about in their area. There ha that, there's not there hasn't been that much training in in um, there's somebody in London John Kent works in London I, I don't know if he's still active so that's that's an area where you could find to mm. um, voice dialogue training yeah right well thank you so much Trilby enjoy your evening and uh, love to Pete and uh, all right then yeah and I I do hope uh, it, it, we uh, connect again yeah soon. yeah. I made all the music that I use in my podcasts. If you'd like to hear more of my music, please visit SoundCloud and check out my profile, Ralph Cream.